Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Weekly Freestyle Season 5, Episode 4, uh, with myself, Tom Dean, my co-host, Alex Sutton, coming right back at you with an exciting guest episode. We're really pleased to say we're not together, unfortunately. I'm in Bath. Alex is holding down the fort in TWF HQ Maidenhead, but we have got a guest joining us imminently, which is very, very exciting. A close friend of mine, an incredible athlete in his own right and someone that's going to bring some real interesting insight uh, and stories to share with you guys but before we jump into that Alex quickly how's your week been how has uh, the first half it been I should say because we only recorded three or four days ago didn't we yeah we had quite a quick turnaround this week so not too much to discuss but one big thing I just tried my own version of the TWF death set um, I went for five by 300 meters, lovely day outside, but goodness me, the lactate was building up and I can still feel it. Um, so if I do throw up midway in this interview, uh, <laughs> you're going to have to, you're going to have to hold, hold, hold dry. I don't know if you remember, but you walk, uh, you didn't walk out, but the testers came when we yeah. were George. So, uh, oh, goodness me. Yeah. I remember that on the door from Mr. Lactate for me. So I'll leave you to it. All righty. All righty. Understood. Well, hopefully that won't be the case, but we do look forward to some of the content coming out from that lactate death session. Um, the week we told, we've actually had quite a few people message in, uh, about that podcast and our coach Dave McNulty at Bath thoroughly enjoyed it, thoroughly enjoyed our deep dive into it and pulled the whole squad out this morning for a briefing about the podcast and the content that we discussed within it and how Brody Williams should listen to it because he got <laughs> called out twice within it wow. and he needs to learn how to deal with lactate better. So Brody, yeah. you should be listening to the podcast, but no big shout out to Dave and everyone who tuned in really exciting. Um, should we get in and introduce our guest? Yeah. I think, uh, I, I think we should one, Tom, one thing just to, to come in before is I think we've now we've done so many episodes that, remember we we mentioned like those people that have listened to everyone i think i think we want to we want to get back to that and let us know if you are if you are like being there from the start and if you've listened Absolutely. to every episode in terms of like keeping our call room up to date and also i wonder mm. if there's anyone who's going back through the back catalog um i mean you wouldn't know that because you wouldn't have got to this stage yet, but maybe in future, if you're going through the back catalog, let us know. Um, but Absolutely. yeah, if you're, if you're in the call room, let us know. Cause it's, if you've listened to every episode, I think that's another way you can get in. You don't have to be a guest on the pod. It's just going to be Dave McNulty and Chris Sutton in the, yeah. in the call room. Isn't it? I think they'd get on well though. I think they would. We'll get some merch sent out to, to Dave and Chris uh, imminently. Um, right. Should we jump in? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So um, we're going to give, this gentleman an introduction now before we get him on uh, just as a little bit of a rundown so like i said a close friend of mine probably the guy i spent the most time with at the tokyo 2020 olympic games we're very very pleased and very excited to have ross murdoch on the podcast with us uh, a commonwealth legend a scottish legend and a legend of British breaststroke, which is quite a thing to say considering how strong that field's always been uh, in the last decade Ross is European champion, famously Commonwealth champion at the 2014 Glasgow Home Commonwealth Games for him, where he really shot to stardom and something we're going to dive into uh, in a lot more depth. He's had an incredible career, highs, lows, and rounded it off by attaining three medals at the Commonwealth Games 2022 in Birmingham in the UK, a home commies. Uh, and it was incredible that I was able to be there and share that moment with him. Um, but like I said, an amazing athlete, someone who loves telling story, uh, is quite a wicked guitar player and will have some brilliant anecdotes to share with us today. So we're going to get him in uh, to join the podcast in just a second. We've got some great questions. We're going to dive in. Alex, anything you want to add just before we bring him in? No, I think I think that's it. Yeah, I've, I've not met Ross. I've watched him swim, um, obviously at the Commonwealth and, and I think as well from a from a casual swimming fan perspective, I think Ross Murdoch is a name that a lot of people will know. So it'd be so yeah. interesting for me to, to, to speak to him and, and dive into his story a bit more. Absolutely. No, it will be fascinating. And, and it's, it's always great to get someone who's had such an illustrious career, you know, over so many years, um, you know, really been at the forefront of British swimming throughout the last decade and seen it really progress. But then has stepped away in the last 12 months from the sport. Uh, and I think those last 12 months, sorry, the first 12 months of retirement are always the most interesting, the most exciting. And we're going to really dive into what civilian life is like for him. Now he's not 
on the front line of elite sport anymore. So without further ado, let's get Ross into his first of many, hopefully, the weekly freestyle appearances. Let's do it. Like we said, uh, we've got Ross joining us, so it's an absolute pleasure. Ross, mate, thank you very much for jumping on. And I think we're just going to kick off with the question that everyone's been asking. When was the last time you were back in the water, staring at that black line at the bottom of the pool? Have you missed it? It's been, what, 12 months now? 12 months since you called it, Dave, you've been back at all? Yeah, it's, it's getting close to 12 months now, um, but I have. I've been back quite a lot, actually. Um, mm -hmm. There was a point where I was swimming twice a week, I'll have you know. Well, um, that's good stuff. <laughs> so, swimming twice a week, but about 6K, you know, we're getting up there. Yeah. Uh, 6K that's... a week. Um, so, <laughs> I, it, was, it was all right, but I've competed as well, actually. Um, have you? Yeah, I did, yeah. I, I went... <laughs> it was not flash. <laughs> <laughs> where did you compete? Um, I was in Liverpool. Was oh in Liverpool. yeah, I was at a masters meet with a, a bunch of a bunch of guys. So I just went down for just, just for fun. <laughs> oh, it was <laughs> it, it was great. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went. I think I went two thirty one. Um, <laughs> and yeah. then I get split it. Oh, that's classy. Fair. You must have taken some bodies that? on that back end. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Back end, man. <laughs> still so, got the engine, mate. Yeah, still got the engine. So yeah, I was absolutely dog at that, mate. So yeah, I've I've done a lot. <laughs> I've done a little bit of swimming, um, but it's just just for when things get a bit cloudy, you know. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've always felt like the way I always described my brain was I always felt like my brain was a mind map that somebody else drew. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea what anything was. Yeah, I actually went for a swim, and it would take it from out here, like, and just bring it back into a line. Mm -hmm. um, so. Whenever I go for a, whenever I'm feeling like that sort of, you know, I don't really know where I am. I'm feeling a bit lost. If I go for a swim, it generally kind of writes me. Yeah. Um, so I, I haven't swam for probably about a month now. Um, I've been, you know, enjoying the weather, getting out runs and stuff like that. Yeah. But I do, I do still enjoy a swim from time to time. But you know, I also need to give myself the opportunity to switch off because you fall yeah. in that mentality really easy. Um, yeah. And I would be lying if I said I didn't miss it. <laughs> yeah yeah i miss it pretty much every day i think about it um i think about it regularly but it's the it's not the competing it's not the the you know the sets or whatever it is it's generally just the people um mm. you met along the way like that's the sort of stuff i miss and you know the, the stuff that i do miss is you know the guys who i trained with but they don't train in sterling anymore most of the people i trained with all retired oh really um, yeah so it's kind of like you know think about stephen Mill craig benson yeah of course Kelly, Amy Wilmot or Amy Booker, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so it's, it's like it's all, all these different people, they've all retired and since left. So we've obviously still got the coaching staff here and a lot of other people like Slam and Kathleen that are still obviously in the programme and Lucy um, that I'm still good friends with. But, you know, the I think it's, it's there's a lot of good people in the, in the programme, but it's just different um, yeah. when, when I started. Um, not that it's any worse. I think it's in a better place than when I left yeah. than when I started in Sterling. But... Yeah, I do. I do miss it. I do miss it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you, you, do you, when you when you go for a swim, do you pop down to the Sterling Pool. You get to see Tiggy and and the other lot are oh, decent. Yeah, yeah. I bump I bump into them fairly regular. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of time I I still I still train up there if I'm if I'm in the gym anyway. Right. So I go there for the gym, and you know if I'm going for a swim, that's where I'll go as well. But trying to get pool time as well is really difficult. Yeah. Because you're constantly sort of juggled around whether it's you know the University of Sterling Swimming Club or Sterling Swimming Club and then there's other like Masters teams that come in and other teams yeah. outside of Sterling that book long course time and you kind of like you end up kind of getting bounced around and there's not really any easy way to get in um so but that's just making excuses I, I do get in but I yeah do they do they not understand that you're trying to break that two thirty? <laughs> you've, you've got important things that you need to you need to yeah. join them for <laughs> I know I'm I need I need to try and get my pride back and get back on the two thirty. <laughs> Ross, being a runner myself, uh, there's a lot to be said for getting in the outdoors. And I, I yeah. find that when I do want to go for a swim, I have exactly the same problem with you. There's never any lane lane space going, but it's mm -hmm. so easy to do your laces up and just head out in the beautiful weather. Yeah, it is. Um, it's one thing that I never really had much respect for until lockdown, <clears throat> until, you know, you're physically forced into not being able to, to do, you know, I mean, at that time, my job. You know, mm. at the end of the day, if you want to look at it objectively, it's pretty much it's a job, it's a passion, it's a hobby that got out of hand, but mm. it was a job um, and you couldn't do it. So when I, I first kind of took up running in lockdown and I absolutely love it. Like It's so easy to put your 
put your shoes on, get out and about, and you are free from that black line. You know, that black line does just keep you in a straight and narrow, but, you know, you're free, and if you feel good that day on a run, you just kind of get a bit of wanderlust and just kind of disappear down a new route or whatever, and just yeah. add an extra couple of K, 5K on or something. You, just keep you know, going. Just keep going. Um, there's, there is, there, I don't think there's much like it, to be honest, like running and stuff. Like that. It's, good, it's good for clearing the head, for sure. Mm. Well, mate, well, we're, we're going to jump into... um a little bit of your life since since obviously wrapping up and things like that and, and mm-hmm. your life as a civilian away from elite sport now. But just before we do that, mate, um, I think we're gonna just kind of take it back a little bit to the start. And mm-hmm. I was telling I was telling Sutz this um this anecdote uh <laughs> that I think we've spoken about before. And I think um we're gonna go back to kind of your early career highlights. And I think correct me if I'm wrong, is it the morning after your your 18th birthday, I think you had a competition <laughs> and I think you're at East Kilbride or somewhere like that. Yeah. And I've I've heard the story about how you were a bit worse for wear. Um, and we're, we're going to get into kind of your first time you burst onto the scene and when you really thought you could make a career out of it. But if you wouldn't mind, and I, I think that story is quite a good one that, that people want to be hearing. <laughs> I, um, yeah, so I was, I, I, it was my 18th birthday and I was competing. I think it was a Scottish school. So at the time mm. I was at Clydebank College studying and the college system in Scotland still was able to compete at the schools if you are you know 17 or 18 it's still got that age category so mm. I was just turning 18 I could compete at that meet so I went there and uh, I think the first day of the meet was my 18th birthday so and it was also the night of my swimming club's club disco <laughs> that's so a big combo like, right there oh, serious serious <laughs> serious night out with the club disco so anyways it's like a presentation night for our club championships and stuff so we um, obviously finished up at the meet, went home, got all, got all spruced up, and then we <laughs> got a carry out from the Asda and Dumbarton. Um, got a carry out for me and my pals, and you know we obviously had a few drinks and stuff. And I'll never forget the older guys in the swimming team, um, like Roy Cameron and uh, Graham Lyons and stuff like that. They, they were like, oh, we'll get my dirty pint. And they gave me a half hmm. pint of tenants, and the rest of it just popped up with <laughs> whatever else, right? And they put a 20p in the bottom of it and didn't oh, tell me. <laughs> so that went down the hatch as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, anyways, that just got seen off. And then the next thing I, I, I realise is my dad's like shaking me in the morning. He's like, Ross, <laughs> Ross, you've got the two breasts today. And I'm like, oh no. And it's like long course. I don't think I swam a long course two breasts in at least two years. And I'm 18, like, I never swam the two breasts growing up. I hated it. And uh, I think I was just so scared of pain. <laughs> so I, like, I never swam it. So anyway, like, you get the two breasts there, you're trying to qualify for the Olympic trials. To like, Dad, don't make me do it. You're shit. <laughs> um, and uh, anyways, I got up and done it, and God, it was bad. It was, it was. I think, I, I think I probably went like two twenty nine, so better than, what than the other week. week. <laughs> <laughs> but I qualified for for the the Olympic trials off that. Um, uh, but yeah, that was that was rough. And Kathleen still tells a story as well. Was, I think she was right. from uh, from Warrington, and she was like, she she was walking past because we'd just been to Torremolinos a few weeks prior and spent New Year there training and stuff. And she was walking past us on poolside, and I'm like, rough as toast, sitting, <laughs> <laughs> sitting under a heat uh, under a heater, just like oh, just sweating it out. <laughs> Waiting for the finals. <laughs> <laughs> that's class that's class no i've heard i have heard that story from a few people and you know what fair well, enough stepping up and doing a two breast feeling like that is well, uh <laughs> it's a pretty decent feat but but like 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 you said that um that qualified you for olympic trials mate and yeah. and, and when was it really do you reckon because i think every swimmer can pinpoint where the, the moment they realize oh, actually i could i could make something of this and and mm-hmm. for me personally it was when i went to european juniors for the first time wasn't expecting to qualify or anything like that and then i, I won the 2am and i was like actually i could I could kind of give this a crack kind of thing. And and that was a turning point for me. I always find it interesting asking people, you know, like for yourself, when was it where it really clicked and you thought, you know what, I could I could make a career being a being a professional athlete? I so I mean that that last story pretty much ties into this story as well. Um mm-hmm. so I was basically only trying to go to the the Olympic trials that year was to try and qualify for European juniors. Yeah. Um, that was kind of like you know, I thought was going to be my stepping stone at the Commonwealth Games. I thought, my, yeah. I thought my career was going to go, you know, one European Juniors qualifying for the hundred breaststroke, and then one Commonwealth Games swimming the fifty breaststroke, and then shh, done. Yeah, yeah. Find something else to do because 
you know, obviously everybody dreams and imagines themselves going to an Olympic Games or whatever it might be, but I never really believed that I had it in me. Mm. You know, where I grew up, nobody did that. Like, you know, people, a lot of folk didn't even go to uni or, mm. or like rather than going to an Olympic Games. So um, I was only trying to qualify for that. So I'd, I'd got my qualifiers, so I went to the Olympic trials there. But this is my claim to fame, though. It was day one of the meet, was the 100 breaststroke. And I think I was heat two, lane one, for the uh, for the hundred breaststroke, um, and I got DQ'd. Oh. Um, so first person I reckon ever disqualified in that pool. That, that, that's, that's, <laughs> oh that's, yeah, that's what I reckon. So I think it's a um, plaque up somewhere, isn't there? Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll get the uh, there is there's a plaque up in the in the building. <laughs> um, I uh, I done that and I was absolutely gutted getting disqualified mm. for that. Um. But then I came back for the 200 a couple of days later and didn't really have much belief in being able to qualify for it. Because I think I went 229 or whatever it was. Mm. No, it was 221, I think it was. 221 it was. Um, I went there. And at the trials, I remember just going out, just like the way me and my coach worked it, Jimmy, we were just like, just attack it. Nice. Just, you've got nothing to lose, son. Like, you know, you've, you've kind of failed. And I think in the, the 100 before I got deep, I went 62-1. And then I went out 62-4 and, <laughs> and, and, the, and the two breasts. So I came back in a body bag, but I went no. 14. And I remember touching the wall and just being like, oh, my God, like that yeah. was maybe the sorest thing I've ever done. I looked at the board and the qualifying time was 2.16. I was like, I've wow. just absolutely smashed that. And I, <laughs> I did it. Not a clue. Yeah. Still to this day, it's one of those ones where I genuinely think there was some sort of divine intervention or mm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember having that swim and then going through the rounds, the semi-finals and the finals, you know, and watching, you know, folk like Michael Jameson and Chris Gilchrist and Andrew Willis, you know, you know Willis and MJ obviously went on to qualify for the Olympics, but Gilly had been around for years and was like, all three of those guys were like heroes of mine to, you know, to sit and watch them be in the same race. I was just like, it was really inspiring. Um, and kind of around that time, I was like, you know, I'm not that far away from, you know, qualifying for the commies in three events. And that was kind of just still the focus. But mm-hmm. after European Juniors, um, I got the offer to go up to Stirling and join what was then the ITC or like the intensive training centre that British mm-hmm. Women used to have prior to the NTCs. Um, they used to have five ITCs across the um, across the UK, and I kind of got invited to go up into the Sterling program as an interim member or something like that. It was called at the time, and then we lost all the funding for it, so that ended up getting kiboshed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so it was round about that time I moved to Sterling and working with my first coach up there, Rob Greenwood. Um, you know, my dad and my other coaches, Jimmy and stuff like that, they'd always had that faith in me, but then they were directly linked to me through that club and stuff like that so their opinions matter but when you start hearing yeah. it from people outside who don't know you and they're just like right we think you've got something here and we want to try and help you to harness it as best we can and this is the way that we're going to try and put this journey together and helping you learn and guiding you and stuff like that Um, I think it's probably when I moved to Sterling that I started to believe in it more and um, I genuinely think that was probably one of the best moves of my life and um, I, I think I think it changed the course of my life anyway Mm-hmm. Um, for sure moving to Sterling I think you, what you said about that race where it's massive seven second drop I think every swimmer Aye. can pinpoint something you turn around and think how on earth did that just happen mm-hmm. you know and, and I think it is it is one of those it's almost like your body's ready to let it out yeah. and maybe it was it was kind of maybe getting deep in that hundred and takes a bit of pressure off or whatever yeah. and you think yeah I'm just going to attack this nothing to lose kind of thing so that's, have you ever um, had a moment like that yourself when it's like you know, maybe outside of the Olympics, like because yeah. I think everybody, everybody was like not shocked by that. Yeah, but everybody was One just like, sense. yeah, this that was that was wild. But but Aye. prior to that, obviously, you said that juniors was pretty important to you. Like, yeah, juniors was important. Obviously, that was a real step and stone for me, mate. To be honest, that swim where I turned around and looked at it and thought. Oh my God! Was um actually Olympic trials twenty twenty one Olympic trials with mm. Duncan because I was a one forty six two man, and then I turn around and touch the wall in the one forty four five. And I'm like, you know, Olympics have been one slur in that. And, you know, yeah. world champs been one slur. And I'm looking up the board and I'm like, what happened to 145 and stuff like that? I always yeah. thought, you know, if I can go 145, that'd be, that'd be all I ever wanted. That'd be incredible and stuff like that. And then yeah. it is one thing to turn around, you look at the clock and you think it's just, you know, the stars align for yeah. four lengths of the pool for some reason. And, um, you know, it, it's, yeah, it was that kind of swim for me. And then 
that was another turning point. You think, okay, something special could happen in the summer, and um, yeah, you know, the the rest followed, and 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 that actually kind of brings me on to my my next question. To be honest with you, mate. So we, I remember we spoke a lot at the Olympic Village and stuff. I remember yeah. after I was, I was fortunate enough to, to to take that gold home, and I remember you saying, you know, everything's going to kind of change for you when you get back home, and like you couldn't have hit the nail on the head anymore and I could never have imagined what the next three four months and and kind of two years that followed have been like and obviously that was for an that was for a major international competition but that was on the other side of the world at 2 a.m in the morning you know in in, in mm. you know as far away from the UK as you can get mate you obviously won a home Commonwealth Games in your home country in front of a home crowd you know at the time when the whole stadium was filled <laughs> and burst onto the scene and you know beat uh obviously a fellow scott in 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 michael jameson and and, and really you know mm. i don't want to put words into your own mouth but that's kind of where it really all took off you i imagine i was just wondering if you could kind of paint a bit of a picture of what you know those days weeks and months following or even years following that that swim was because i think everyone can kind of you know talk about those moments where it all just took off a little bit yeah i think it's it's another one of those times i look, I look back at my career and there's a few occasions where i genuinely don't know how it happened um mm -hmm. I think, you know, going into that season, my best was 2.13.6. Um, I went 2.12.1.5 in the January of 2014. At the trials, I went 2.09.1.5. And then off the back of that, I went 2.07.3. That's it, crazy. It's just, it was literally just like, bam, bam, yeah. bam, constant. And it was just like, even the in-season swims, like you would just look at the in-season swims and it was just like, they were just getting faster, unrested, mm -hmm. just getting faster and faster. Um, so... They kind of lead up to it, you know, the, there was a belief that I could get a piece of hardware at the end of the swim, but there was never a belief until after the heats that I could probably challenge for the goal. Mm -hmm. um, but the the months that, that kind of came after were, were, were a bit mad. Um, you know, there was, you start getting invites to dinners and can you come and speak to this school? Can you come and speak to this, you know, group of people or whatever? And you know even whether that came through team scotland or you know people actually messaging me on instagram or twitter or whatever trying to you know to get a piece of my time um and then even then when it would come down to just going around the shops like yeah. it was bad and they always got me the milk in tesco always buying milk <laughs> the they're clothes. just waiting they're just standing there waiting <laughs> It's like that. Let me sketch a paint of milk. Oh yeah, <laughs> just like constantly buy milk. Um, so, I it was just it was just crazy, and you know you mm. be out in the middle of Glasgow just trying to walk down the street, and it it was it did feel like, you know, you were a, a celebrity, and yeah, you know, there was at first it was like, wow, this is like so surreal because like there's just no way and. You know, you could probably ask anybody that knew me growing up, growing up, that you probably wouldn't have ever thought I would amount to ten. <laughs> so <laughs> even my own brothers, like we were talking about it today, is um one of my pals' dads was um was one of my coaches growing up, and nice. it's just like a classic quote from Stevie was Ross. Did you just hear what I said? No, Stevie, take an early shower. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was just one of those ones. and now I'm walking down yeah Gannon Street in, in Glasgow and people are stopping me for photos it's just like it just it just didn't add up it just didn't mm. add up um so it was quite nice at first but to be honest it really wasn't my thing like I'm yeah. quite an introverted person at heart you know I, I don't really like I don't really like that you know center of attention I found it really difficult to speak to people growing up mm. um and it kind of thrust me out way out my comfort zone so it, it was like a real novelty at first but you know it did kind of wear off quite quick but, yeah yeah you know, I like to think I was patient with everybody when you know when that happened and you mm -hmm. know if there was interactions people got something from it um, and yeah. I definitely think that looking back at it I value it because I think it it made me come out my shell and forced me to be you know I think just more functional in general to mm -hmm. be honest like, mm -hmm. I feel like I can speak to anybody now because of that, yeah. just because I've yeah. had to speak to thousands of people now. Yeah. But, um, yeah you, it was mad. You kind of get forced to, like, without even anyone asking you if it's all right. It's like all of a sudden you have, yeah. you're like almost a bit of a public property, you know, and people I, expect you to, to talk a certain way and act a certain way. And even if it is slightly out of character, no, it was, it was weird. And, and 
I think, you know, you're one of the few people that can, that we can relate to, you know, how that's like, uh, you know, swimmers don't get stopped in the street. That doesn't happen. It that does not happen in the sport we're in. You don't get stopped uh, in the milk aisle. And then all of a sudden, you know, you do have these weeks and months where it does happen and it is slightly surreal. And yeah. I got stopped in Sports Direct today. I went and bought, <laughs> I went and bought a few golf balls. <laughs> and everyone was like, oh, you're, um, you're, um, and I'm like, it's not, it's never quite like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes. So I'll tell you what I get. I get people come up to me and they're like, oh, you're, um, and I'm like, oh, like swimming and stuff. And they're like, no, the third leg. Like the third leg. <laughs> the third leg I'm like, I did actually go to like the Olympics yeah. and stuff like that. But um, no, I see what you mean. It is, it is slightly surreal. And, and mm. actually just off the back of that, one thing I was going to ask you is a lot of people struggle off the back of a success like that to go and back it up the following year mm. with medals. But you went and did that in 2015, didn't you? You know, yeah. you went and backed up at the world championships, you know, so you know, everyone in the world and, and you went and won medals. Did you find it hard to, to, to click back into that hard work? So I know I did to an extent off mm. the back of Tokyo. It'll be interesting to, to see your perspective on it. Yeah, I did find it really hard, actually. Um, I sometimes think that, you know, this isn't me slating British swimming or Scottish swimming or anybody like that because, you know, I do feel like I was looked after very well mm. throughout my career. Um, but I almost find that sometimes when you're successful, you think that success is going to look after itself. Yeah. Um, and that when an athlete fails, that it's at that point where like, oh, well, they're going to need additional support because, you know, obviously they'll be disappointed and, you know, we don't want them to fall into, you know, whatever comes afterwards and that, you know, if you're successful, you'll just automatically be really happy with what you've done. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think I, d I did find it difficult. And then post Glasgow, I ended up getting glandular fever and bronchitis in the no October, November time. I was in Sierra Nevada and I was not sleeping. I was like an insomniac, like for mm -hmm. a, a good like two months. I was in, in bits, like really struggling to sleep and stuff. So I found it really difficult at that point. And to be quite honest with you, I think post glandular fever, I was never the same man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, see, when it came to recovering from like a hard set, like when I was before commies, it would just be like, God, that was hard. I was bust. But if you turn up the next day or that afternoon yeah. again, like you just have yeah. so much energy, so much intensity that you could bring to every session. And mm. I would still have the same intention for each session, but, you know, I would never really have the same thing for the next, you know, eight years that followed pretty much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, I don't want to make excuses because I still gave it everything and I still got yeah. some good results. But I think following it, I, I did find it difficult to, to mm. manage everything. But Kazan was an interesting one as well because I, I tried to qualify for the two, but failed because I, I was ill at the trials. Mm -hmm. um, and to be fair to everybody else like Pete absolutely smashed his PB um, and won the, I think did he win the trials that year definitely 2083 there I think that was his fastest two breast ever wow. yeah. um, him and Willis absolutely smashed <laughs> smashed me in at the trials <laughs> I'm just like fair enough boys <laughs> my <Right>. hands up <laughs> um, so I did I did find there was definitely challenges that followed off the back of Glasgow yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was I was watching a documentary. It was the one about Lewis Capaldi mm -hmm. the other day. Because, like, you know this, Tom, but I love music. Like, music. Yeah. I would travel around with my guitar and stuff like that. Like, not that I'm a great guitarist or musician or anything, but I just like doing that. So I always tried related stuff back to music. And I was watching this Lewis Capaldi documentary the other day and about how he ended up with these nervous tics and he was twitching and, and whatnot. And it all came down to it was just like, well, the first album, well, that was easy because it yeah. just happened and you wrote it for no one else other than yourself. Mm. And, you know, it was, there's just a blissful naivety that comes with being an underdog, unheld mm. and no pressure. Yeah. Then when you are now managed and you have to write a second album and there's a deadline on it and yeah. expectation on it and you're like, shit. How, how, how am I going to put this second album together? And it's almost just like, just taking it like, one lyric at a time or one chord at a time and sometimes it's just really difficult to see the wood mm. from the trees mm. uh, so with a bit of perspective eventually I managed to make peace with it and try and find my way back up because for a long a long time all I would ever do was just turn up to training do what I was told and hope for the best yeah yeah <laughs> and it works for a long time um but then you know you do start to you do start to kind of overthink things and you yeah I, I at least started to overthink things um and get kind of caught up in the madness of 
you know, how are we going to do better? How are we going to do yeah. more? Are we going to be more intense rather than just being like, right, let's just, you know, take stock of what we've got and just try and keep piecing it forward bit by bit. Mm-hmm. I was getting too far ahead of myself, I think, a lot of times. Yeah, no, and, and I can relate to that, you know, off, off, off the back of Tokyo and you, you start thinking, how am I ever going to replicate that? You know, mm-hmm. am I ever going to do that again? And you start thinking, right, well, where can I make these small improvements? You've got to remember all the things you did right in the lead up to mm-hmm. that, that yeah. great swimming, you know, that's that's what, and go almost go back to basics a little bit. But I think yeah. you're right, as you progress through your career, you do need to, you know, it, it is, I guess maybe when, you, when you're young, you do have that naivety and you literally just mm-hmm. turn up and do what you're told and just smash everything. And it's like, and then as you get a little bit older, you have to have a bit more, of a thought process behind everything and you know yeah. that's where a great coach will come on board and you really kind of work on these things together but and i can completely see um what you come from alex were you gonna yeah i was just gonna say i guess from an outsider's perspective having never been an elite athlete i guess once you win something you then have something to lose and it's just that mm. that change in the, in the mentality and, and as well i guess from the outside that's when an athlete is maybe struggling or yeah needs a bit more help in terms of being able to bounce back and get back to mm. that level that's maybe when you think that you know, the most helps needed. Yeah. Um, and, and that's when the supporters really, really should be there. Yeah. And I think it's, it's one thing that I always took an interest in with Pete's career because when Pete would speak in interviews, you know, there was always that, you know, everybody always thinks that, oh yeah, there's something to lose after you've won. And in essence, they're right because that's the way that it's painted, you know, like at the end of the day, you know, Dino, you're never going to lose that gold medal. You will mm. be a champion for eternity that's the way it is at the end of the day but <clears throat> the way that Pete spoke in interviews it was just like oh yeah Adam you're going to be defending this title and he's like no no I'm attacking this yeah. title and yeah. it was total change the narrative like flip it on yeah. his head and I'm, yeah. like, I'm always on the attack there's mm-hmm. never there's never there's never a point where I'm going to be defending anything it's mm. always attack it's always forward um which I appreciated I thought I thought that was a really interesting way of looking yeah. at it um, yeah. you know obviously him and him and Mel work so well together and they just clicked so good and you can see the way that their personalities work together like that we're like no no we don't defend we never take yeah. stuff on that yeah. stuff we yeah. always attack and I love that and you know and, and I wouldn't say it in interviews because that was you know his thing but I always mm. really enjoyed that metaphor and stuff like that Um, you know just like thinking about it like that yeah and I think that's very valid and I think you know that's why he's done what so few have and defended yeah. an Olympic title. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's the first thing you say after you win an Olympic title, everyone says how hard it is to defend it. So um, it's just not really what you want to hear straight away. But <laughs> great. <laughs> <'cause it's, laughs> great. Cheers. Thanks. <laughs> uh, but I, I guess it, I guess it is true. And, and that's why you've been so successful. And, and, and speaking about the Olympics, actually, Ross, it mm-hmm. does bring you on to what I wanted to speak about next. So obviously we were in an apartment together mm-hmm. at the Tokyo Olympic games and, and I remember, you know, I've told a lot of people this, but I think you were the person I spent the most time with at the mm. Tokyo Olympic Games. And, you know, I definitely feel like it's where we kind of got to know each other a lot better. And and as someone who's, it was their first Olympics, it was so, so valuable. And I don't think I really realised until slightly later when I kind of come back down to earth how valuable it was to have someone like yourself who was almost like a real guide for me and, you know, kept my feet on the ground and had been through it before and helped me with that that whole world because you'll 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 agree it's so far removed from like a europeans mm. or a worlds or a commies or anything like these the olympic games is like in a different stratosphere so i found it so helpful having someone like yourself and i know how close we got and how, how much we hung out and and you know obviously i owe you a great debt of gratitude for that um and it definitely kind of made us pretty pretty good mates after that but yeah. i was just interested to know whether as a figure like that anyone you, you, you looked up to any kind of maybe more senior member of the teams in the past, anyone that was a help around that 2014 period and when it all kind of changed that, that you can think of off the top of your head, swimmer or coach or, or maybe someone outside the sport? Mm. Well, first, I mean, I, I appreciate that, mate. I, I remember the village really well, so thank you no. for saying that. Um, <laughs> that means a lot. Um, I, I remember the village really well. And mm. one of one of my, my lasting memories, I think, forever, that, that I will carry for the rest of me to my grave was, you know, I think it was the night the morning after or whatever it was after the um the two free and I was just like did I tell him or did I not tell him because I didn't think you knew and I was yeah. like have you seen Twitter and you're like no I don't think I have and oh I was like, yeah have you seen the video of your family and he's like what I remember I that. It. I was like I was like right just take five minutes go on Twitter yeah watch this video and turn it straight back off 
and I just I just remember seeing your face and I was like, oh man, that's such a good feeling. Like there's no one in that and knowing that everybody was there and I was like a garden party. Like I'll never forget seeing your face doing that. I was like, man, that was that was so cool just to be it was a nuts. part of that little, it was, that yeah. there. Um it was Crazy. it was really special for me as well, to be fair. Um we had a great apartment. Oh, we did. It was good fun, wasn't it? <laughs> we had a great apartment. That's just like, right, what we're going to do today, boys, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stick a bin to the door and we'll just ping a hundred plastic bottles at it. And oh, mate, I forgot about that. Like, well, we had, like, we had like, everyone in the apartment had like chamomile tea with cherry juice in it every night. Like we made a big batch spag for everyone bowl. and it tasted <laughs> just like spag bowl. And I was like, I've got to get this down with you. It's rough. But yeah, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of trick shots. There was a lot of um, like the card game. I don't know if people know that. Might have to beat that one out. But yeah, we played a lot of a lot. Of um, I actually, that was class. Jackson I really enjoyed five. that apartment. Jackson 5, yeah, inventing new rules for the card games and stuff like that. No, that was a, that was a class apartment. That was, that was really good fun. And I do remember... Seeing that video, for, I remember you saying, get on Twitter, because I hadn't really been on my phone and yeah. it all been non-stop and stuff, and you like just load it up and things. And obviously, Alex, you were there. You you, you remember what it's like. And I didn't have a clue that there was a guy. I thought my mum would be watching in the sitting room, you know, with my brothers and sisters, and all of a sudden I see this. It's like everyone I know in one place. And and like you said, it was a real it was a real special moment. And, you know, I'm glad you were you were there for, to, to witness it and, and be part of what was, you know, probably the craziest 24 hours of my life. But... Yeah. But no, like I said, mate, was was there anyone you can think of that that was a real a real help for you in those times, like you were for me? Um, I think there was there was a few. There were definitely there were definitely was a couple of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the I think the the culture feels that felt different. I think I told you that at the meet, yeah, um, in Tokyo, and I was like, you know, I didn't feel part of the old guard. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of British swimming, you know, like I don't have anything against anybody. Like I would still consider myself, you know, friends with a lot of those people. Mm. But you know, I never really felt included. And maybe that's my own thing. Maybe maybe I had a sort of an inferiority complex. But a lot of that, maybe I didn't really feel like I had that guidance. And perhaps that's one of the reasons I wanted to, you know, not take you under a wing because you know I didn't have anything to guide you with. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd never won yeah. an Olympic medal, yeah. and I never will. So it's not like you know, I had this wealth of experience. It was just like, you know, I just kind of knew just a little bit more, just being like, look, yeah. When you when you fly home, like things will change. Like, just be somewhat prepared for it. Like, yeah, yeah. Never be prepared for it. But like, this is what it was like for me, and it's not the same level. But you know, mm. here's a little point in the right direction type thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And you learn yourself. Um, but you know, there was there was definitely like. You know, I remember being on my first senior camp and it was the Barcelona 2013. I remember one day, Amy Wilmot, now Booker, um, we walked back to the hotel. It was like a 20-minute walk and we walked back. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we walked back to the hotel and, and she was she was really good with me. And you know, we, we kept she kind of shared stories about Delhi and um missing out on Shanghai and then making London and then the following year making my first world champs and kind of talking stories about that and you know what to expect and these types of things and there was other couple of guys in Sterling uh Jack Scott and Josh Walsh who I was really close with um, and still talk to today um and you know we were the Sterling team basically the three three lads we made it and uh you know they were kind of like guiding me a little bit along the way like here's what to expect here's what to pack like don't forget you know, your roller or whatever else, mm. like just wee things, like nothing, because I hadn't done much traveling. So did have a little bit of guidance, but I think my my coach at the time, Greenwood, he he was pretty good at keeping me switched on and yeah. what to do and what to expect. And he was just kind of like, look, I just want you to be a sponge. Like I want you to go to the world champs. I want you to swim well and I want you to have a good time. But for the most part, just like totally just soak, soak it in. So I was trying to take bits from everybody and, you know, almost trying to copy what they were doing. So I always looked up to MJ. So I was like, I was, I was watching what he would do and, and stuff like that. And Nutty was actually my 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 coach when I was there. Like he was looking oh, yeah. at me while we were there. Um, so that that was a good bit of banter, and that was the first time I'd ever met him. So, um, it was good getting to getting to do that. So, but a lot of it was just kind of like scratch and sniff, just like I don't know what's going to happen here. Mm. Let's just yeah. let's just let's just see how this goes. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So 
I, I kind of wish that I, that I had like more of like a, a mentor. Like, I remember there was a mentoring program that Becky was part of, mm. um, and it was kind of like you could email Becky and get a bit of advice here and there. And I used that a couple of times and we checked in and stuff, but I probably should have tapped into it more, to be honest. Right. Um, it's something I probably didn't tap into enough. Um, but there certainly wasn't any shortage of role models or, you know, good, mm-hmm. good results in British swimming back then. You know, some of the best results in history, if you look back yeah. to the contingent that were in Beijing, it was unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I do think, you know, the nature of swimming, generally, you know, there aren't really many selfish, like nasty people. No. I think there's very few on the team and I'm sure yeah. you can relate, you know, who, who I don't get on with. Most people, I think it's the nature of people that go into the sport, you know, and, and I hear people saying like, oh, you know, we need more like people, more like boxing personalities like this. And I'm like, just, you don't really get it in the sport of swimming, you know, and yeah. I, I kind of like that. It's almost yeah. like a, 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 this mutual respect, and that's not just within teams, but within countries as well. So, yeah. no, I, I agree. I think I think people are generally really good helps, and the senior guys do mm-hmm. tend to help the younger guys. And yeah. I've been fortunate; I've been able to experience that, and hopefully, at the next Olympics, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be able to help some of the younger guys who are coming yeah. up through the through the squad. So, no, it's 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 brilliant to hear. And, and yeah, follow, fo- following on, I mate. I got, sorry, I, go on. I, I did get a, a decent amount of advice. I remember off the back of twenty fourteen. Kind mm. of getting a bit of advice from Robbie. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, because Robbie had won the two free at the commies four years prior. Oh. Uh, I remember him kind of talking to me little bits about it. You know, kind of what to expect um, in terms of you know, you know, you might have managers coming up and chapping on your door saying they want to represent yeah. you for certain things, and you know, don't let people walk over you. So there, there, there definitely was people there. You know, it's hard to think back to it now because it was so. Yeah. Long it's not yeah. that fresh you know I'll never forget actually there was one thing that, that I really valued is I remember qualifying for the for the 100 rest in, for Barcelona and I was walking up the street in Sheffield and Roberto Pavoni was walking uh-huh. with me and uh, with his dad and I'd never met them before in my life and uh, you know but obviously I knew who they were um, just because of you know the Olympics had been the year before and I think he turned around just like by chance just to look and he stopped in his tracks, put out his hand and said, Ross, congratulations, and shook my hand in the middle of the street. And I was That's just like, brilliant. that was just, it was just such a nice gesture. Yeah. One of those ones that I'll never forget, you know, just because immediately, like, I don't know this guy, but I already feel accepted on the team. Yeah. So, that, so there was little, there was little bits like that, that, you know, are really valuable to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you, you don't forget people that helped you or were nice to you like that. No. Like, at least no. I don't forget that. Um, no. I, I, I definitely valued that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and mate, those small things can be so helpful. And like I said, I think if you have experienced that as a young swimmer, I think you're mm-hmm. much more likely to pass that on. You know, yeah. if you've experienced that much more welcome atmosphere and, and obviously I was, I, was, I was fortunate enough to to get that myself. And I do think it kind of just does get passed on. And mm-hmm. it's almost like I always say there's like generations within this sport uh-huh. where, you know, you've got like kind of Jimmy and PT and, and you know, that kind of age group and you sit kind of there because you've been on junior teams with Jimmy mm-hmm. and then lot, you know, you're in, and then there's kind of like myself and Freya and, you know, mm-hmm. Jacob Peters, if you will. And then you got yeah. that and it does almost come in like generations. I always find that quite yeah. interesting. Everyone sits and they can kind of relate and one helps the next one and stuff, which yeah. I really like. I do yeah. really like that in the sport and I think it's unique, unique for I always, swimming. I always looked at it, it was like, the, you know, you've got the old guard and the new guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just like, you're, you're there to protect, you know, British yeah. women or you know the, the the British contingent and you're there to protect like you know the the new guys coming through yeah. and, and trying to inspire things and you know that yeah it, it was it it's such a surreal feeling when you go from being like the new guy on the block to, yeah you know you, you've not you've not done anything to prove yourself to even be one of the guards yet yeah you're still the water boy still, <laughs> still, still earning your stripes and then you know you then you you kind of merge into that kind of staple mm. of the team and then you become yeah. the old guard yeah. the retire. You know, there's 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 a few steps to it, and you know, you learn you learn along the way, but there definitely is people to try and it definitely yeah. felt like always felt like a welcoming team, but I don't know if it's just my own perception, probably because I'm quite an introverted person, but I definitely felt like the teams became more welcoming to me as I got older. And I don't know maybe if that's yeah. a reflection of the results that I had or yeah. the fact that I was an older guy on the team that had been around yeah. for a while. Um Certainly, the best British team I was ever a part of was, without a doubt, the Tokyo Olympics. Like, oh, really? E- easily, easily the best British team I was a part of. Um, it didn't feel like there was one ego on the team that was mm-hmm. just like, 
I don't need to speak to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want, I don't, I don't have to, whatever. It just felt like everybody was really included. And, yeah. You know, you would you would walk into that that dining hall um, on the on the holding camp, and you could sit down beside MD. Yeah. Or, you know, you went out. You, there was barely any mats, so you just pull up a mat beside anyone and just stretch on the pool. So it genuinely yeah. just felt so inclusive. Um, and that's one. That's a, that's the stuff that I, that I genuinely miss from sport. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's just those little moments, like you know, going to Flagstaff. I'll go to Flagstaff yeah. for three weeks. Like, how could you not miss that? That's unbelievable. Uh, it's classy. <laughs> like, it it's so class. it's so good. But like, I've got so many good stories from Flagstaff. <laughs> <laughs> just mad stuff. We'll, we'll have to save them for the next episode. I don't know if we can include yeah. all of them on the. That's what I said to Sutz. I was like, I said before we did this pod, I was like. You got to make, you got to realize about Ross. He has got so many good stories oh. for any occasion, and I'd say most of them we wouldn't be able to say. On the pod, but you just would just go out and get a beer, and some of the stories, mate, oh. are just too good. Are too good. No, oh, it's man. it's true, mate. There, are, yeah, things like that, and I think you don't realize it. Like even even you know, I got back from Flagstaff, you know, a week and a half, two weeks ago, and I was like, it's yeah. just that's you know it's such a unique period of your life you know mm-hmm. i was going to tokyo making teams hanging out with like such characters and getting to know these people in like the most vulnerable and exciting times of your life i think it is mm-hmm. it is really special and unique and look we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk in just a second about your life 12 months on and 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 you know mm-hmm. taking a step away um that's kind of kind of how we're gonna wrap up but just one thing that i, I do want to speak to you about and i do want to kind of let the listeners know is I kind of want to tell the story of your last 12 months in the sport because I was telling Alex today and obviously he knew quite a bit about it anyway, but but he only saw the end product at the Commonwealth mm. Games in Birmingham. And oh, I, was I, heard, I heard it as well with a bit of flower. I heard it a bit of flower yeah. than that too, of course, which we've, which we've touched on hearing that. I end up hearing that quite a few times yeah. when I was racing <laughs> at commies. But, um, yeah. you know, that's that's kind of the end, the, end, the end product. But, you know, I was telling Alex today and I think it's like a... It's like this fairy tale story, this last 12 months of your swimming career. And I mm-hmm. don't think they could have been almost this this better ending. And obviously there were there were lows to to make the highs even more special. But you know, I was wondering if you could kind of tell that story because for people who don't know, obviously you had the Olympic Games mm-hmm. and they might see that. And then 12 months later, they might see you winning even more medals, individual mm-hmm. medals at the Commonwealth Games to wrap up your career at home, a home Commonwealth Games, as in within the UK. Yeah. But you know, I was just wondering if you could give us just a quick rundown of those 12 months, because I don't think anyone can quite realise what they were like for you. Sure. So, I mean, obviously off the back of Tokyo, I just pretty much trained straight through. I didn't take any rest and went mm. straight to the ISL. And the ISL was probably one of the most like beneficial things I've ever done. And I loved it. And, you know, we were in Naples for four or five weeks. And it was just like, you know, we would go, we'd do a couple of days swimming and yeah. out for a few beers and then you would <laughs> go off to Capri and then you would eat pizzas and everybody was in shape and just somehow swimming fast and just getting faster as the meet went on and you know I was like I don't think I can top this like, I yeah. genuinely don't think I can top this and I was a little bit disillusioned with the sport and and stuff and I was just kind of feeling a wee bit chewed up a wee bit spat out and just like you know I never really got what I wanted from an Olympic Games and you know I, I just kind of hadn't won a medal for a long time and I, I was losing my funding and I didn't really know what to do with myself. I just felt really lost. And then I had a relationship breakdown when I was at home. And, you know, you look at the way your life is and the way that your life's set up that I was like, oh, my life's kind of set up. You know, I'm quite happy with the way that things are going and whatnot. And aye, I'll call it a day. Um, I'll focus on my uni and get my uni out of the way. And, you know, I, I don't I don't need the Commonwealth Games to feel fulfilled. I don't I don't need swimming to feel fulfilled anymore. Like I, I don't want to have to rely on that. Um, <clears throat> and that kind of broke down and left me even more lost and without really any purpose anymore. And, you know, I spent probably eight weeks vegetating, just trying to do my uni work and not failing uni, but not doing great. <clears throat> I'm just feeling really lost without without a purpose really. Um so it was just it was mostly just feeling disillusioned with the sport, disillusioned with life and not really knowing, not having any purpose and any meaning in it. Um and I was about eight weeks out of the pool. I was like, I've got to go back, but I can't, I can't, and I was just being yeah. stuck. Um I was like, because I don't want to rely on it, like I don't want to, you know, just fall back into the same thing and you know, mm. that be my comfort zone. Don't want to just stay in my comfort zone with them. I've got to be uncomfortable. I've got to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable again and mm-hmm. another setting. So I was just kind of going through with that. And it got to week 11. And I remember being on a Monday night just going, nah, 
this is it, this is it. Nothing, nothing's going right for me here. Yeah. I wasn't doing well at uni. I wasn't doing well working out. I wasn't doing well up top. I just needed something, something to do and to bring focus back. And I actually thought uni was going to be easier. Yeah. Sport because it was like, oh, I don't train twice a day now, and I don't have gym in the middle. And I, can eat, I can eat what I want, and I can go out and have a few beers with my pals anytime I want. Yeah. I was like, life's going to be so easy now. Yeah. Sounds and then class. as soon as I didn't have structure. I was, it does sound class <laughs> but I can assure you it wasn't it yeah, was so yeah. Um, I just didn't have any structure so everything started to fail so then it just almost became like well if you don't have this structure in your life like it, all of it's just going to crumble apart and I remember mm-hmm. uh, say, messaging Tiggy on the Monday night and just being like I think I'm going to pop up tomorrow afternoon just to watch because I'd been in once before to watch, and it was a Friday night kick set, and I was like, oof, I don't miss that. <laughs> so I don't miss straight, that. To, straight to the pub. <laughs> yeah, straight to the pub. Um, and then I went in on that Tuesday night, and they were in the trenches. So yeah. I always like to imagine swimming, and I like metaphors of like war time. Like I love history. Yeah, yeah, I love World yeah. War II. So I was always like imagining when I was in a set, being in the trenches and mm. sticking together with each other and cheering each other on during a set and that type of stuff and pulling together and... I remember seeing them all in the pool on that Tuesday night and I was just like, it was like asking a girl out for the first time. I was like, uh-huh. eh, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, see if I brought my trunks in in the morning. Could I get in lane one? And he was like, aye, all right. Nice. And he was like, yeah, you can come in. But we're going off to Belfast to the mm. day we're going to meet tomorrow after training. So come in. Do what you want to do. And when I get back on Monday, you better have a fresh idea of what the hell this is, right? And you, you better come to me. You're like you're you left on your own terms, you're coming back in your own terms. Yeah. Find out what you want. Don't just make this like you can't come in here and disrupt the status quo. Because I can't I can't come yeah. into a program and disrupt something that's going really well. That's not yeah. fair of me to do. So I came in on the Wednesday morning. And I remember doing a 600 backstroke with paddles. And normally you'd be like crying and being like, this is sucks. But I remember having my goggles on and just crying with joy. Just be like, oh. this feels so good. Yeah. This is the best thing I've ever done. The best 600 backstroke I've ever done in my life. <laughs> but that, day, that day changed my life. And mm. that day I ended up getting, <clears throat> pretty much getting a, a job exception, like accepted for when I finished swimming. Mm-hmm. And my university grade that apparently I'd failed came back that I'd passed. Just oh yeah, we mismarked yeah. it, and I was like, nah, <laughs> no stuff way. like this doesn't happen. It's all marked like, electronically and stuff. It's like stuff like this doesn't happen. It just like what a coincidence that the day that I decide to go back, my life just automatically writes itself. Mm. Um, and from that point on, I was just like, okay, work out a plan. Right, six weeks to trials to the day. What am I going to yeah. do? It's like six days. weeks. Wow. Six weeks to the day is the day that I got back in. That's not wow. that's not even lying. So <clears throat> six weeks to the day. I remember doing a max hundred freestyle pool with paddles. I went sixty-five <laughs> short course, mate. <laughs> short course. Short course. <laughs> right? That so that was the Wednesday, and then the Friday I'd done that hundred, and I was like, man, I have got a long way to go in six. Yeah, weeks. yeah, yeah. So I came, I came in on the Monday, and I spoke to Steve, and was like, right, fifty breaststroke, and he's like, obviously, it's the yeah. only way. And he was like, I'm glad you've said that, right? Let's put a plan together. Aye. Thursday night, stand up, shave down, get yourself ready for it mentally. Once a day until Thursday, and then we'll see where you're at. Really? <clears throat> and I think I went twenty-eight-five, and I was like, oh, what's the qualifier? Twenty? Oh, no, I went twenty-eight-one. Yeah. Like 28-1, I was like, the qualifier was like 27-6. I was like, I'm not oh, far. Like, I could maybe scrape on this team. I was like, but it's not going to be the be-all and end-all for me. I just want to be able to enjoy the mm-hmm. last few months of my career with my friends, training. Yeah. yeah. And actually, it ended up being a proper fairy tale where yeah. everything kind of worked out, you know, in terms of going back, making it at the trials, somehow qualifying in the 100 breast as well. It was just, <laughs> it was just, it was just, an unbelievable meeting, you know, yeah. I remember driving back from Sheffield just again in tears, just like, I can't even believe how this is right. working out. And actually, the, the preparation into the commies was murder. Like, really? I just kept getting injured, constantly getting injured. Like, I had a really bad adductor strain um, and I had, like, tendonitis in it and I couldn't shift it. 
Um, so I couldn't swim breaststroke for about six mm. weeks. Like I basically didn't swim breaststroke for six weeks. So I had to swim fly, and I worked out that I can't <laughs> finish a hundred fly from a dive. <laughs> That's how poor a swimmer I am. I was oh. never good at breaststroke. Aye. And I put my neck out swimming it as well. So I kept getting neck injuries, adductor injuries. Um, but you know, it all worked out in the end, and it was a fairy tale end in swimming for yeah. Scotland for the third time. And you know, probably my best. I I think it was my best ever. Yeah. Ever. Um, just because I had so much fun doing it. Yeah. Like, again, I think that British team that I was on was the most inclusive, and everybody mm. was there. Everybody, one, every one of my pals was there. And yeah. People who didn't haven't made British teams, like everybody was there, and it just felt just amazing to be there. Like, and then obviously we had ISL, so we knew yeah. Aussie guys and yeah, being focused stuff as well. So it was just like it just just felt like a, a big party the whole time yeah. like just celebrating each other's swimming careers and stuff you get, oh mate no it's so special and i just love i love hearing that story i've told so many people that story because i think you just you can't write stuff like that yeah. like you really can't write and you know imagine just think about if think about if you could have gone back to yourself when you were in those 11 weeks and and told yourself what happened in the summer of 22 oh. i don't think you would have believed it <laughs> your life oh. you would have thought it's a crazy crazy and I person ended up getting a merit in my, my master's degree as well and i was just it's like nuts it's just it's just one of those things that from what i thought at the turn of the year was going yeah. to be one of the worst years of my life and yeah. i was like i cannot believe how my whole life is broken down in front yeah. of me to the point where I came back to swimming, had my All best right. ever Commonwealth Games. I got, like, it was just the four by one at the end of the week as well. And there was like, right. so many of my friends who swam on the team with us and we got eight medals out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we had a complete swap out pretty much from the morning. Yeah. We ended yeah. up having so many people getting medals, which was just phenomenal to see. And it meant so much to everybody. And then getting a job and getting my master's degree all in the one year that you thought was just going to be like a total write-off. It was just like, mm. right, I'm just going to take this year, write, up, write it off already in January 1st, yeah. write it off yeah. and just kind of do a bit of self-exploration and work. Nah, it ended up being like <laughs> the best year of my life. <laughs> oh, it's insane. It's just, it's so good. No, it's so good. I just remember, just remember you absolutely belting flower of Scotland out on the side. Yeah. And I, was up, I remember I was up on the podium with Duncan, two, three or two sorry, hours mate. or something like that. Nah, it's got to be done. It's got to be done. <laughs> got to be done. <laughs> And there were, there were quite a few Scots in that crowd, you know, there was a decent contingent mm. of you guys who had come down and stuff. Obviously it was in Birmingham, so it was in the UK anyway. But yeah, I remember that so clearly. And then and then yeah, that when when you won that medal and getting on the lane, right? It's just too good. I think it's yeah. just too good, you know, it's so so good. And and mate, you know, look, that's kind of at the end of our, our of our big questions, to be honest, mate. We're we we're gonna ask you a little bit about, you know, your transition into into civilian life off the back of being an elite athlete but it sounds like you know with with that summer it sounds like a pretty special pretty special few months after that i don't think we've don't think we've seen each other since since commies have no. we no. um which has been a bit crazy and, and i'm yeah. actually i was speaking to duncan about trying to come up actually in august i've got all of august off so i was hoping to actually come up and see you guys and, and have a bit of catch up but you know before we got a few few quick fires and stuff like that but you know it sounds like sounds like life's good mate it sounds like happy and and yeah things are going yeah. things going well off the back of it things are going things are going well man uh cheers for asking it's 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 again it's still a work in progress i don't i don't yeah. think it's it's a difficult one to process because when you think about you know walking out in front of crowds and yeah that type of stuff like it's so it's so far removed from yeah. reality it is so far removed from reality um and you know I, I i don't think i'll ever get over it i think i'll just yeah. learn how to live with it do you know what I mean? I think, yeah, I think yeah. it's one of those ones. Um, but I do, I do absolutely treasure every every minute, every minute, yeah. of it. every injury, every upset, yeah. every time I failed, every success. You know, it doesn't matter. Like it's it's so cliche, but it genuinely mm. is all about the journey, the people you met along the way, and and whatnot. And that's that that is the stuff that I miss the most. Um, but mm. it was it's, it's amazing, and, and life on the other side is. It's difficult at times. I still, I, I went through so many, so many dreams about swimming. I would wake up in the morning. I'd been, I'd been in the trenches. No I'm way. like, I'm actually, I'm no just, way. I'm six k, guys. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting in my bed in the morning. Knackered after waking up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> genuinely like, like cramp in my leg. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's, it's, a, it's difficult, but, you know, yeah. I'm part of a good team at work now and we work really close yeah. together and I feel looked yeah. after and included and stuff, which is uh, which is important because to me, that's the stuff that I took from sport. It was all about the yeah. team. Yeah, good stuff. Well, mate, that's 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 brilliant. And, you know, what what a note to end it on. And look, I'll have to I'll have to get myself up absolutely in the summer. Yeah, 100%. And, and that just sounds like, yeah, it sounds like it'll be a good laugh. I'm saying to Sam. Yeah. We've got to do it, mate. But look, we're going to wrap up in a second. We've got a few quick fire questions that we just wanted to to shoot your way. And I wrote these, so I hope I hope you find them all right. Um, and then Alex, <laughs> Alex will Alex will wrap up. But yeah, we just got five um five quick fire questions. If if that's cool with you, so we'll just kick it oh, off. Awesome. I know you mentioned talking about playing the guitar, and obviously I've been lucky <laughs> enough to be serenaded at ISL uh, by, by your guitar. Um, but what what would you say your your favourite song is? What are you saying? Um, my favorite um, song to play to play on the guitar. This play, is um, it's "Take It Easy" by the Eagles. It's one of Very those nice. songs that I remember. Um, growing up, we used to just go camping as a family, and it's mm. one of those ones that just takes me straight back to being like eight years old again, coming, you know, being away in, in the middle yeah. of Scottish summer, getting eaten alive by midges. But <laughs> I, I, tre- I treasure those memories, so it takes nice. me back. Very nice. Um, a bit, a bit of a less wholesome one, but what's your, what's your heaviest post-competition night out? I think this is what more people know. Which has been the heaviest, you reckon? Because I've seen you, I've seen you have a few heavy ones. You know, when when did you have the most? A few too many J two O's on a, on a oh, night out. Uh, Glasgow, twenty fourteen. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough though. That's that, fair that, enough. That was that was fair enough. Like, I, oh. there's, there's still probably about three or four hours of my life that are unaccounted for. No idea. <laughs> I've heard that story actually. That's I was like, we'll have to you have definitely had that story. You've done me so dirty there. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to save that for a, for another episode, mate. Um, <laughs> question three is, um, and this is actually something I want to say because I remember my first ever team was <laughs> Europeans 2018. Yeah. And it was in Glasgow and mm-hmm. we had a night out after. And I remember you saying, oh, have, you ever had, have you ever had vitamin T? I was like, oh, what's oh, yeah. this? Is this like a supplement I should be taking that <laughs> yeah. the nutritionist hasn't told me about? I don't know. Is, is one of the senior athletes going to introduce me to something that's going to help me? <laughs> and obviously, he just put a big pint of tenants on the table. But <laughs> our, third, our third question is, what's your what's your favourite beer, would you say? Oh, pint of tenants. Pint of tenants. It's got to be. Pint of tenants. Vitamin D. Listen, I'm, I'm a simple man. Um, <laughs> simple and low maintenance. I'm like a succulent. You just don't even need to water it, mate. Just leave it in a corner and it will survive. Like, fine attendance. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was the introduction, 2018. That was actually a class night out, to be fair. Yeah, um, obviously, I mentioned I mentioned playing a bit dead and playing those card games that we mm-hmm. love playing, but who do you reckon's the best player that you've gone up against? Because I think I know who it might be. Oh, who's the best player? That's difficult, you know. Tough one, isn't it? Yeah, that's tough. What what's the aim of this game? Because we have so it will we'll have to play it at some point. It's it's a card game. I don't even know why, but it's the only card game ever played by swimmers and yeah. by British women. And I learned it when I was on my first team in 2018. And yeah. we played so much for it in Tokyo. It's yeah. so good. It's just such a good game. It's, and it's a, the game. There's a forfeit if you lose if you lose three in a row, <laughs> which I don't really know if we can because I've never actually oh no I've seen it happen I've seen a video of the forfeit happening with you and Duncan one time but I think Benny P's up there he's so analytical isn't he I was going to say Benny P there's been a lot there's been a lot of occasions he's a he is an absolute like shark at these types of games oh yeah risk or Oh, he loves like, risk. He loves risk, it, doesn't he? It's like, he's like, oh, would anybody like to download this app called Risk? And we're like, oh, yeah, sure. And it absolutely jams Just get, He like, loves it. That's yeah. all the free time and glory, isn't it? But mm-hmm, um, totally. okay, Benny P. And mate, we'll just wrap it up. You said you liked your camping, being outdoors. And mm-hmm. I've seen, obviously, you've been doing it a lot in the last year. But where's your favorite spot for a bit of camping? Um, my favorite spot recently has been on one of the islands out in Loch Lomond. Mm-hmm. There's an, an island called Inchconican, and it's full of wallabies. You need to go hunting for them, but there's What's literally a wallaby. A wallaby's like a little kangaroo. You know, that's <laughs> really Tom. Like, yeah, I know, I know, a koala is, man. <laughs> but literally, there's like these little like no way on this island. So I go to the oh, north man. side of that island. Um, but my, I think one of my my favourite spot ever to go while I was camping is a little yeah. it's called Achnahaird Bay, and it's uh, the Northwest Highlands, and it's just one of these places. It's just again when I was young, we used to go all the time. Yeah. Took it for granted, and actually, it's just like just one of the most stunning places I've ever been. Brilliant, brilliant stuff, mate. Well, they're the five. So I'll leave you just to just to wrap up with our two cool room questions, mate, and and that'll be us. 
Yeah, Ross, I don't know if you've heard before, but uh, on here, we, we ask all our guests, um, uh, we invite them into the call room. So you're now in the call room for the rest of your life. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm sure that's a big accolade that's for class. you. <laughs> but the, the two questions we ask is, uh, are you listening to music in the call room? I guess from a, a swimming perspective, uh, a lot of people do tend to listen to music, but also we see it as like like a metaphorical place as well. Um, mm-hmm. So if anyone's, you know, before a big job interview or maybe an exam. So we also ask people for the, for their advice or guidance that, that they'd give themselves before they go out for a, a big event in their life. Mm. Um, break it down, like break it down. When I walk into the call room, it's it's kind of what Tom had mentioned earlier. Break it down and make it simple. Like don't try and don't over overcomplicate it. And it's something you've done a million times before. So mm. if I'm walking into the call room, it's easy to get carried away and think about the end result and think about how loud things are going to be or, you know, how nervous you are. But it's just break it down and take it step by step. Um, see see the parts and not the not the whole and take it each each little part at a time. Um, each part has its part to play, I guess, in making the whole thing. And you're better just focusing on it one step at a time. And, Mm-hmm. Yeah, just break break it down to its its component pieces. What's your your song of choice or your artist as well? Oh, difficult. Um, I would either say "Long Way to the Top," ACDC, um, or "Rock and Roll Star Oasis." There we go. There we go. Get them written down. Officially <laughs> signed and sealed in the cool room. Well, look, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've probably enjoyed this pod more than any other, mate. It's been brilliant. So, so <laughs> great to catch up again, pal. And you know, look, I'll get that trip booked up and we yeah. can have a few vitamin teas when I get up there, mate. But no, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for all the support. And um, yeah, hopefully we can catch up again soon. Cheers, guys. Cheers for having us. I've, I've, had, a, I've had a ball. <laughs> <It's been> brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Thank you, mate.